We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dort. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Jacob Niffin. Today, I've got along with me Taylor Peterson. I got five on it. Grab your board and let's get keyed. It's a good song. I mean, you have it stuck in my head now. Uh, give it the give the well introduce Nick and then give the listeners a little background. <laughs> uh, we also have Nick Crane on the pod. I don't play any instruments, unfortunately. <laughs> Me I thought you played the skin flute. Oh my! <laughs> that was good. Uh, they jumped on the call tonight for the podcast, and uh, I have. Um, as some of you maybe know, rediscovered my bass guitar. Not that like it was like missing. I just finally took it out of the closet, and so I've been playing old hip hop songs. Jake came so, out of the closet, and we're really yeah, proud of him. Taylor uh, Taylor hopped on the <laughs> pod and heard me playing some Five on it. It was really good, and, uh, honestly. It was, it, was, it was it's fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. So, gentlemen, how are things? Things are going well. Um, went down to the in laws this weekend, and we they have a pool, so we were outside, and I got a uh, a little sunburn. But, you know, we're hanging in there, chugging along, staying strong. Watch the uh, watch the last dance. And that, it, these last two episodes were probably my favorite. These two episodes are very emotional. I'm, I'm all about it. And there's more, like, uh, a little more depth. I feel like these last two episodes, like, kind of giving an insight into uh, Michael and his thought process, um, what drives him, 
And like you said, some of the emotional aspects that kind of drive him. So I was all about it. I love it. Yeah, seeing him laying on the ground in the locker room, holding the basketball, sobbing hysterically yep. after he won that title uh, the Against year Phoenix. after his dad died or the second year after his dad died um, on Father's Day. Just powerful That's stuff. Big time. Big time stuff. He's a dog. He is a dog. Yeah. Uh, He's a dog. It's a... <laughs> Somebody tweeted tonight, uh, somebody tell Jordan that coronavirus can beat him, and then we'll get rid of coronavirus in like a week. <laughs> That's awesome. That dude could find inspiration from, like, he took offense to anything to uh, to get fired up. Like, it's, No uh, kidding. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. All right, well, guys, fun episode planned for you all today. We are going to continue our If the Playoffs Started Now series. We went through the entire first round. We broke down each matchup if the playoffs were to start right now, which, according to Adam Silver on a call with Chris Paul and some of the other players from the Player Association, if NBA basketball comes back, we get full seven-game series all the way through the playoffs. So uh, that was exciting to me. But we will – if the – We are going to continue our If the Playoffs Started Now, moving into the second round of the playoffs. We're going to break down all four of those matchups for you guys today. We're going to play a game of start, bench, or cut. Uh, Very popular on Twitter now with a lot of heated debates. We figured let's bring it to the podcast format. So we're going to play start, bench, cut. We're also going to trade Steven Adams on this podcast, come up with some trade ideas as well. Don't you dare. So lots of fun, fun stuff starting here for you guys today. Uh, gentlemen, let's just jump right into it. We're going to play Start Bench Cut, which to me is just the basketball version of F. Mary Kill. <laughs> That's so like, true. I'm not wrong in that, am I? No, not at all. Spot on. So Start Bench Cut, a lot of our listeners have probably seen this on Twitter where somebody will tweet out three pictures of players and say you got to start one, you have to bench one, you have to cut one. They're typically all three players are around the same uh, quality of player, and you have to like come up with an answer and justify who you're starting, who you're benching, and who you are cutting. So we're going to play this game. I have come up with a start bench cut with three players for each basketball position in the NBA right now. And we're just going to go through these. I'm going to give you guys one. I'm, for, I guess I'm going to let you choose which position you want. I'm going to give you the three players, and then you're going to have to think out and tell us who you would start, who you would bench, and who you would cut. Um, Nick, I'm going to give you the honors of starting first. You have all five basketball positions, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. Which do you want to do? I'm going to take the probably the hardest one of them all. I'm, ass- I'm going to assume. Uh, go ahead and give me small forwards. I knew it. Oh, yeah. Good call. Um, I had a lot of fun putting together this list, by the way, kind of trying to find players that I thought were kind of the same level. Uh, so the small forward one is fun. I'm not sure if it's just a, if it's a good one to me and if you're going to be like, oh, this is easy or not, but I guess we'll see. Okay, Nick, you got to start. Start one, bench one, cut one. Chris Middleton, Paul George, Pascal Siakam. Okay, um, that's actually pretty easy. I'm going to start Paul George. I'm going to bench Pascal Siakam, and I'm going to cut Chris Middleton. Uh, thought process behind this, you know, Chris Middleton's great. He's extremely efficient. You know, playing alongside Giannis, he gets um, probably less love than he should. That being said, you know, to a lesser degree, I don't think he's 
a Draymond type player where he thrives off of, you know, playing with a bunch of other superstars, but kind of the same situation where he's not a guy that can be a number one, whereas Paul George and Pascal Siakam have proven that they can be a number one guy and be successful. So that's my thought process behind, um, you know, Middleton being the guy that gets cut. And then right now, I think, you know, PG when fully healthy without playing a full season and his shoulder having injuries and all that kind of stuff. I think he's the best player of the three. So I'm going to start him, um, you know, today, right now, that being said, long-term I'd start my team with, with Siakam, but I'm going to, I'm going to start PG and then bring Siakam off my bench. Okay. I was going to ask if, if age plays a role for you, Siakam four years younger than Paul George. Uh, so, so you just kind of looked at it as a right here, right now, uh, for the rest of this season or for next season, this is your start bench cut. That's right. Instead yeah. Of like if, if, we're, if, if we're playing right now, give me Paul George. Okay. Nice. Taylor, do you agree with him on that? I do have to agree with them on that. Um, I know there's a lot of podcasters out there who like to take the opposite stance for argument's sake, <laughs> but, um, the explanation that Nick gave was spot on. I think you have to start PG because he's the most talented. It's kind of like in the draft, uh, at a certain point between like maybe picks two and you know ten, pending the the draft and the the uh, prospects coming into the draft, we always say take the most talented player, or you're you have the best luck taking the, the most talented player. Um, that's kind of what Nick was saying there. You know, like Paul George is obviously the most talented when healthy. I think uh, Siakam has the most potential, but isn't quite PG level. And then Middleton is obviously an incredible player who you would want on your team. But compared to those two, I think you have to. You, he's probably one who gets the bench. So I am uh, agreeing with Nick, and I like his his explanation there. All right, Taylor, you're up. Small forwards are off the board. You can take point guard, shooting guard, power forward, or centers. Uh, let's just head up and go shooting guard. Shooting guard. All right. You got to start one, bench one, cut one. Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell. Oh, that's kind of tough. Um, I think I am going to start Bradley Beal. Um, just his production is pretty incredible. Um, the way he's able to fit into just about any offense is pretty impressive. Um, I think it, obviously he's a little ball dominant. Um, in the current situation he's in because he needs to be. But I think if he was put into a different situation, I don't think that would matter much. He's going to be just as effective, even even if he doesn't put up the stats that he has been putting up. Um, I would probably bench Devin Booker because, again, it's a similar situation as the last one compared to Siakam. He's a, a kid who has a lot of potential. He's been in the league for a, a decent amount now for being such a young age. You know, he, he has the experience. He has, and I still think he has untapped potential. Um, not quite being in the right situation, or, or at least not qu- quite having the right people around him. And then who was the third player? Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Um, I would probably go ahead and cut Donovan Mitchell. I like Donovan. He's a super fun player to watch. Um, I'm a, a big fan of his, particularly being a Westbrook fan. But unfortunately, compared to the other two, I'm not sure he will ever reach that level. Um, and he, some of our listeners can go back, and if they haven't already heard this, we've talked about the Mitchell versus SGA comparison. And uh, I think all of us said that we thought that SGA had a higher ceiling maybe than Donovan did. It just kind of seems like Mitchell is going to be at this level for an extended period. And so because of that, I just I don't see Mitchell's ceiling being much higher 
than it already is, which may be wrong. I could be very wrong and, you know, three, four seasons from now, I could be eating my words. But uh, with all that being said, I would go ahead and cut, cut Donovan Mitchell. No, I, I, uh, I, I agree with you. One thing I'll add that people probably don't realize is Donovan Mitchell is actually older than Devin Booker. That's that's a good, that's wild. very good point. That's very good wild. point. So I just did basketball reference player comparison. Uh, Brad Beal, 30 and a half points a game. Booker, 26 points. Mitchell, 24 points. Um, Brad Beal, six assists. Booker, 6.6. Donovan Mitchell, 4.2. They're all right between 4.2 and 4.4 rebounds. Um, they all shoot... Uh, right around 36% from three. Uh, actually, Mitchell is the best three-point shooter this season at 36.4%. That's Beal, surprising. Beal is the worst at 353 but Beal takes more volume. Beal takes eight and a half a game. Booker takes five and a half. Donovan Mitchell actually takes seven threes per game. So their stats are actually fairly equitable across the board, which is pretty interesting. They all play within one and a half minutes. Uh, per game of each other. It's between 36 and 34 and a half. It's really balanced across the board this season between those three. It's a lot closer than I originally thought it was. That's fun. Yeah, don't, that, those are those are good ones. What are their points per game? I'm curious because obviously Bradley's has some, uh, some big es- explosion. Yeah, points per year. game. Brad Beal is at 30 and a half. Booker's at 26 and Mitchell's at 24. Okay. But, uh, hmm. but, Brad Beal also takes the most shots per game at 23. Booker takes 18. Mitchell takes 20. It's interesting that um, Booker has taken so many less shots per game. Um, he's really kind of adjusted his game this season, which I think has been for the best. But his team, he, the Suns just don't have the right guys around him yet. And they're working towards it. Uh, to their credit, but um, like you said, you see guys like Bradley Beal who pretty much are just taking control of the game because John Wall's out, and um, it's really interesting to compare those those stats. Definitely. All right, Nick, you are up. Shooting guard and small forward are off the board. Which position do you want? Well, thanks, Taylor, for taking shooting guard because I really want a point guard to tell him to go with. <laughs> All right, point guards. Um, there might be some bias in this one. I don't know. <laughs> you got to start one, bench one, cut one, Nick. Shea Gilgis Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, Jamal Murray. I am going to. That's uh, tough. I am going to start SGA. Hey, I like it. And that's that's not a biased thing. Like like he's he's the the leading scorer on a a top five team in the West and a top nine or ten team in the entire NBA. Um. I'm going to bench De'Aaron Fox, and I'm going to cut Jamal Murray. I think Jamal Murray's a great player. Um, I think he's he's going to be – all these guys are going to be great at some point in time. They're going to be some of the best point guards in the entire league if they're not already. I just think that, that De'Aaron Fox has a, a little bit of a higher ceiling than Jamal Murray, although Murray I'd much rather have today. So this – this round, I'm going to take a little bit of the the age and the ceiling into consideration and um, cut Jamal Murray rather than than look at who I'd want right now, and that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, like for again for podcast sake, I wish I could disagree, but Nick was spot on. I think I would go the same exact way. Um, and I think there's a lot of people. <laughs> again, I mentioned this I think in our last podcast on Thursday, Jacob, when you and I were uh, talking about players, but 
especially during this quarantine period, like there's a lot of uh, a lot of talk about different players, uh, different young players amongst NBA Twitter with no games being played right now. And it seems like SGA is getting a lot of like universal love, which we haven't really seen since Kevin Durant, because obviously Russell Westbrook is a very polarizing player. And so um, I think a lot of people would agree with us that they would probably take SGA's versatility compared to De'Aaron Fox's raw talent. But, uh, and also Fox has been injured so far um, early on in his career, which is not super promising, but it was nothing serious. I think he'll be fine next season. Um, so I would agree with that. I would uh, probably go ahead and cut Murray, who was an explosive, uh, potentially explosive score, but not consistent. And that's a huge worry about Jamal Murray. And so because of that, um, I would go ahead and agree with Nick. And to kind of go down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, I think that the, the Nuggets may need to look at a actual look into either drafting or trading for an actual facilitator at point guard to play alongside Jamal Murray. And Murray may be better off at shooting guard, particularly with Her- Gary Harris's struggles recently. Yeah, I think that's fair. So looking at their these three, they're per 36. Um, Shea is actually the lowest scoring player of these three at per 36 minutes at 20 points per game. Jamal Murray is at 20.6 and De'Aaron Fox is at 23.2. Uh, Shea actually is the best three-point shooter out of those three. Uh, he is the best rebounder, but the lowest assist uh, person of those three by two assists per game. Shea gets three and a half assists. Jamal gets five and a half. Darren Fox gets seven and a half. I think part of that might be attributed to Shea shares the floor with two other point guards a lot of the time. Hundred percent, and is more of a play finisher than a than a guy who sets people up because he plays with freaking Chris Paul. Um, Shea averages the most blocks out of those three. Uh, they're all pretty even on steals. Uh, yeah, where's field goal percentage? Let me look at that. Um, they're all pretty much neck and neck. There's only two percentage points that separates all three of them on field goal percentage. So it's a good one. All right. Interesting. Yep. Taylor, we're back to you with only the bigs left. You want power forwards or centers? Go ahead and give me centers. This will be fun. Um, okay. I, I don't know how I feel about this one. I'm interested to see what you say. Your centers, start one, bench one, cut one. DeMontis Sabonis, Yosef Nurkic, Bam Adebayo. Oh, this might be the toughest one yet. Oh, man. Okay. Um, so this is, minded. this is, uh, without looking up stats, without going to a basketball reference like a Jacob I have for the uh, top eight thunder uh, positions for example um, so just off the top of my head i really like bam on the bio uh, i like i have been a huge fan of him this season and i'm very very biased here disclaimer because i've had him on my fantasy team and he has done great for me uh, just his versatility i mean he's kind of like a narkic a, a low-key narkic where you, he can actually handle the ball much less you know he can shoot outside he can bang down low He's just super, such a uh, versatile big that you really want in this day and age in the NBA. So with that being said, uh, I'm going to start Bam Adebayo. I'm going to um, sit or bench um, Sabonis because he just has so much, again, versatility, but his his 
court vision and some of his passes it's just kind of like his dad you know you always hear about his dad's court vision some of the passes he, he was able to make uh, Sabonis has been able to do that but um also just he's gotten so much stronger so much bigger and he's shown that he's not so much of a stretch four as he is just a great stretch center <laughs> you know he can get some rebounds he can do just a little bit of any of it so I'm going to go ahead and bench him and then who is the third you said Nurkic yep Joseph um, Nurkic. I'm going to go ahead and sit him, which might be easy to say right now, just because of obviously his injuries. So you would go ahead and 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 uh, cut him. But injuries aside, you know he's kind of your. I don't know. He has so much potential. He's a great, great center, but he hasn't really expanded his game much. He's almost in the same category as Stephen Adams, but doesn't do quite as much as Stephen in terms of like being the glue guy. Um, he's very talented down low. He can bang down low. He can get you rebounds. He can uh, get you tons of, of uh, putbacks on the offensive end. But I'm not so sure he has the court vision that guys like Steven has, and so or, or like Sabonis has, for example. So because of that, I think you have to go ahead and cut uh, Nurkic. I think it's interesting, Jacob, the, the list that you ran through on those three guys. Those yep. are guys that I think when they came in the league were power forwards, and now they're kind of switching to more of a center role as the league yeah. changes. That's a really good point. So it's it's tough on that front. That being said, even when, when Nurk was healthy, I was never super high on him. I would have cut him if you stack him up next to almost any starting center in the league. So I think Taylor's spot on. I, I probably... I don't know. It's I, I I might start Sabonis. He he's emerged in a big way this year, just like Bam has. But yeah, I don't know. That's that's that's, Those that's two a solid are tough. choice. Those yeah. two are really tough. Yeah. Sabonis whenever you look Bam at the statistics, like coin flip. Whenever you look at the statistics, it's fascinating. Per thirty six minutes, and I'm looking at Bam and Domas from this season. Yep. And then obviously Nurkic from last season. Um, Nurkic is actually the highest scoring. And Which the highest sense. rebounder um, uh, between all three. So Bam gets 17 points a game. Sabonis gets 19. Nurkic gets 20 on rebounds. Bam gets 11. Sabonis gets 13. Nurkic gets 13 and a half. Assist, Nurkic gets 4.2. Domas, 5.2. Bam, 5.4. And then you look at their field goal percentage. Uh, Bam at a bio. 57% Sabonis, 54% Nurkic, 51%. So they're actually pretty close yeah. uh, across the board. But again, stats can't tell you like everything. And like Taylor mentioned, just the versatility of Bam is is really intriguing. And then Sabonis, his ability to stretch out and shoot, we know he can. Uh, but also he's a really good passer. Taylor and I, or sorry, not Taylor and I, Justin and I, on the 2015 redraft, I think that's yep. what we did last week. Yep. We John compared Hamm. Domas. Yeah, we compared Domas um, to uh, um, Jokic. Domas is like a offensively like a mini Jokic. He can pass it. He can shoot it. He can space out. He can screen. He's just a very very high IQ player. Which, funny um, enough, has that connection to Nurkic. <laughs> yep. Exactly. You know. So uh, the the centers are are an interesting one. And like. Nick said as well, you know, they're all kind of used to be power forwards that have kind of shifted up to the center spot. I was thinking about going like traditional centers and it's hard to find some that, that are really easily comparable because it's kind of a dying breed. Agreed. All right. So then Nick gets the last one. Although if you guys want to tag team this one, I think that's fair. The power forwards, Nick might have some bias in this one. I don't know. 
me and Nick have been tag teaming since uh, high school. Uh, that sounds oh my. <laughs> so you got to start one, bench one, cut one. Aaron Gordon, Paul Millsap, Draymond Green. Oh boy. Mm. I kind of I try to get three Paul power Millsap. forwards that kind of have the the same. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not the I guess the same style, the same uh, on court job, and I feel like these three kind of all fit into the same bubble as power forwards. Okay, so give me give me some direction here. You uh, so tell me should I should I make this decision based on you know playoff start tomorrow? Who do I want on my team or? I essentially doing like a redraft of the league, and these are the three guys on the board. Oh, I don't know. Why don't, why don't we do both? <laughs> All right. So, and sir, why well, not both gift? Here's this. I'm going to go ahead and start. Uh, sorry, I'm going to go ahead and cut Paul Millsap um, on both of those. Do you agree with that or disagree, Nick? Um, I disagree. I think if we are going based on playoffs starting tomorrow, you got to cut Aaron Gordon. Okay. There. That's okay. Um, okay Millsap's I, I get you. a veteran. He's got a lot of experience. Fair. I think in the right situation, he's he's he, very. I mean, efficient. he's he's uh he's not as good as Al Horford, but he's one of those you know veterans that that can help you win some playoff games. That's a very good point. Um, so that being said, that's that's where I'd make the difference between today versus long term. But I think then if you look at um, either direction, I probably have Draymond as the bench guy, and then. You know, if you're looking long term, Aaron Gordon is going to be the guy that I'm going to take over both of them. I, Draymond, he's he's great as a glue guy. He's great in the right role, but I, I still think if you put him on the Lakers even this year, I don't know what kind of impact he even makes. Like he just, he's never been a big stat guy. And he does a lot of the small things. I get that, but I think he's one of the most overhyped players in the entire NBA. See, I disagree with that only because and I agree with you that he's overhyped. I'm <laughs> being an OKC fan, this is a little biased, but um with that being said, I think he throw Draymond on the Lakers this season and he does wonders for that team. Just his passing ability, his ability to space the floor more than most power forwards, for example. His versatility on the defensive end. Um I would go ahead and start Draymond. Um Again, like you said, Nick, that's a really good point in terms of Paul Millsap versus Gordon. Um, if I'm the Lakers, for example, I think you bring up a really good example there. I would probably want Millsap to be my bench, and I'd probably cut Gordon. But if you're the Thunder, for example, <laughs> you're probably going to cut Millsap and bench Gordon. So it kind of depends on where you're if you're heading for the future, trying to build towards the future, and looking to develop a player trying to win now um, teams that are trying to win now win now are going to bench Millsap and cut Gordon but there's a lot of uh, potential still left probably in Gordon especially compared to Millsap so you're probably going to bench him instead um, but I would still go ahead and start Draymond just because of his versatility things that he can bring to the court um, his his court IQ his his vision is just uh almost next to none you know he was a second round draft pick who comes into the league and has made such an impact and that's because of his hard work ethic and um like i said his his court iq so because of that i would probably go ahead and start draymond pretty much across the board the thing you have to worry about is probably what he brings to the locker room and if it's not the, the right locker room not the right coach 
you're going to be in big trouble. And if he had not been drafted by the Warriors, <laughs> he we, we not be we this might not even be a question. Draymond Green might not even be in the league. And so uh, you have to take all that into consideration. See the you make good points. The one thing I'll I'll kick back on is the the floor spacing. Cause I think that's one of the things that's most overhyped about him because. You know, he had a great 2015-16 season shooting damn near 40% from three. But outside of that in his career, I mean, just going down the list, you know, Closer uh, to the, 30%. the years 30.8, 30.1, 30. 30. 28.5, 27.9 this year. Like, he's not really a floor spacer. Well, and the other thing that worries me too, and that's a really good point, um, the thing that worries me as well as his injury, um, not, I shouldn't say history because he's been pretty durable, but going through all those all those battles, you know he's been through some battles early on, and then we see him banged up now. Yeah, you know sometimes you got to go for the low points. Uh, <laughs> but seriously though, what happens to him this point forward? Like, yeah, the Warriors may be able to rebuild and get some guys around Steph and Clay, but will Draymond be a part of that? And I think that's a really good point, Nick. Like, is he durable long term? That's yet to be seen. So we'll see if he is. Um, I'm curious to see that, especially the direction they they go towards once we find out the day of the draft and then what the Warriors obviously do um, come draft time. So looking at their per 36 from this season, and, and maybe this is, I mean, I don't think it's cherry picking, but this season is going to not favor Draymond Green, obviously. Uh, but points per game, 16 for Aaron Gordon, 10 for Draymond 18 for Paul Millsap. This is per 36. Um, rebounds, 8 for Gordon, 9 for Millsap, 7 for Draymond. Assists really set Draymond apart. He averaged 8 assists a game. Aaron Gordon, uh, 4 assists per game. And Paul Millsap, only 2.5. Here, so here's, an, here's an ugly stat. Field goal percentage for all three of them. Paul Millsap leads the way at 49% from the field. Aaron Gordon second at 43, and then Draymond Green a whopping 39% from the yeah. field this year, yep. including 28% from three. Um, they all shot more than three and a half threes a game. It's an interesting one. It's We've talked about Aaron Gordon on this podcast multiple times. Uh, I think Zach Lowe has said it best that I think peak Aaron Gordon in the league, like if Aaron Gordon became his most valuable self in the league and peaked at his potential, he is a rich man's Draymond Green. True, he's is Draymond Green, but yeah, he's Draymond Green, but he's able to be more versatile on the offensive end, more versatile and more athletic. Yeah, I think Aaron Gordon, like Aaron Gordon, could be which um, I mean, shit, like that's, like, uh, like that's, a focal point of a team, but that's not the his best position. His so, best position is to be like the third guy on a team. So basically, he's Blake Griffin, but healthy. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, kind of. I mean, I think Aaron quite Gordon strong. can pass it. I think he uh, he's got some decent offensive game. I think he can be a great defender. If you put Aaron Gordon, like get him out of Orlando and put him on uh, just another team, I think like a good team, I think he could be a rich man's Draymond Green. Yeah. I think that's probably his best position. I agreed. So, all right, guys. Well, let's move on and talk about if the playoffs started now. But before we do that, let's tell our listeners real quick about betonline.ag. So, guys, I was, uh, if you guys were like me, I was following along last night with um, fighting. And I'm not a huge, um, a huge, a huge fighter, or fighter fan, but 
BetOnline had me covered. I was able to go to the Twitter account, be able to follow along, see all the fights that were going on last night. Uh, they had a full breakdown. They were able to cover the fight last night after each individual fight up into the main event. And uh, I really enjoyed it, uh, especially with no other live events going on. So with, like I said, no NBA, no NHL, no MLB, I think there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino, poker, and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. And if you're missing NFL, don't worry, because BetOnline has you guys covered with live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the Nathan's Hot Dog Game Contest. All are open 24 hours a day, and all are online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Alright guys, over the past two weeks we've gone through the first round of the NBA playoffs, if they started right now, which they should be going on right now, uh, if it wasn't for that guy eating that damn bat. So, we're on to round two now. Uh, same format as before. We're going to talk about the matchup, the X-Factors, everything that goes into that series, and then we're going to pick winners. Now, a couple of these, we were split 2-2. And so, I actually had to go back and ask Justin, who missed some of these podcasts, who his pick was to win these round one series. And his vote, that fifth vote, kind of tipped us one way or the other. So, matchup number one, the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference. That's fun. That's a fun matchup. It's an interesting one. Um, do any of us think this goes six games? I think it goes six. It's not going any further, obviously. But um, I think I think it would it would be uh, Milwaukee a, five. A mild mild surprise to be five. Yeah. I think it could definitely go six. I've. Wow. I haven't been huge on the Heat, and you guys know that. But it's, I mean, with everything going on and, and Rust playing a factor. And That's true. There's, yep. there, I, I'm not counting anything out on this on this potential upcoming playoffs being 100% neutral site. You know, a lot of these, you know, national analysts are saying that if, if the playoffs do happen, for example, at Disney World or Vegas, whatever it might be, it might be the most interesting and level playing field of any playoff, you know, ever just because of those those simple facts. And, and I think that with everything happening, the Heat could definitely take this one to six. They, they, they I don't think they're going to win it, but it would be more interesting than if the season were, were still rocking and rolling like it would have been. One of the biggest X factors in this series for me, though, is just length. You know, I mean, the the Bucks are going to run out. Giannis and Chris Middleton and who's going to guard them I mean yeah Jimmy can guard Chris Middleton but Chris is longer bigger um Bam Adebayo can guard Giannis but god I mean I'm saying guard in air quotes here because no one can really guard Giannis um you know I I know Miami has Andre Iguodala we talked about this I think last week though I don't think he's gonna be that big of a factor on that team it's just age rust all of it um I don't know, like, the the X factor is very simply to me just the, they have nobody that even has a chance of guarding Giannis. Right. I think when it comes down to it, the Bucks are just more talented 
than the Heat are. Um, I think the person you have guarding um, Giannis is somebody who we've talked about earlier in, in Bam Adebayo. Um, the versatility, the length, the strength, and even then, I think Bam is probably still going to get his, and that is, doesn't even... Uh, or sorry, bam, Giannis is still going to get his, and that still isn't taking into uh, effect what uh, Chris Middleton is going to be able to do. And you really, I mean, Duncan, um, <laughs> Tyler Hero, you know, yeah, guys I mean, like that, like not, nobody's going to guard yeah, him. Um, none, Kendrick Nunn, Kendrick like, Nunn. Those guys aren't playoff tested, whereas these Bucks are. I mean, Miami starts, um, oh, why did I just go blank? Pretty white boy at center from oh, Portland. Uh, Gosh dang it. Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard. Leonard. There it is. Like, the, the Lopez twins are going to kill that guy. That's what I was about to say. You, you the, know, they're just going to space him out and just kill him. You have Robin coming in at backup center. Like, they just don't have, like you said, the skill and the power to match up with um, my, or with uh, with the Bucks. So, I, I, I'm with you there. I think Milwaukee probably takes it in five. See, if they had home court advantage, uh, it could go to six, though, otherwise. See, the, the, the thing for me is, A, the, the Heat have – a ton of shooting. They got a lot of guys that can fill it up from deep. Yep. And I think that saves them a game or two. But Jacob mentioned, you know, battle tested in the playoffs. I think battle tested is a fine word to use, but they haven't been battle successful. I, the, the Bucks have had this same team in the past and have been a really good regular season team the past couple of years, but I have not seen them perform well in the playoffs. I mean, there's a lot of great players out there and Giannis is a once in a maybe ever type player, but he hasn't gotten over the hump of being a guy that can take a team through the playoffs yet. And this, this could be the year, but I haven't seen it yet. That's a good point. It's fascinating. All right. So bucks first Miami, uh, who do you guys got? And in how many games? I don't want to go first. I'll go first. I got Bucks in in four. Taylor, what are you going with? I'm going to go Bucks in five. Nick? I already said Bucks in six. All right, there we go. Four, (laughs) five, six, though, but the Bucks are definitely moving on, we all think. This next one, who they would play in the Eastern Conference Finals, I think is a lot more interesting. This is really fun. Toronto Raptors versus the Boston Celtics. Oh, Which man. matchups or X factors do you guys really see in this series? I mean, speaking of battle tested, the Raptors are just that. Um, even without Kawhi, they've proven that they're a solid team. Um, I think Siakam took a big leap this season to kind of uh, compensate for losing Kawhi. Not quite as much as a. Although I said that leaves a huge gap, he hasn't compensated for that much. But just the fact that Siakam has continued to improve his game and show his versatility, uh, surrounded with guys like Lowry and um, Van Fleet and others, has been huge. You know, these guys continue to improve. I think this series is obviously going to seven. But when it comes down to it, I, I almost feel like the Celtics have the talent. Um, there's a part of me who keeps telling me, don't fall for that. <laughs> because we we've fallen for that in the past with the Celtics, you know that their their talent level, um, their versatility, and it never truly um, comes to fruition. But uh, with all that being said, I think what you really have to look out is the the like you said the the X factors, Jacob. I think the X factors here are Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, and Kimball Walker, Can Lowry, and Siakam. And, uh, you know, who can they throw at that third position? Can it be OG or can it be, you know, Van Fleet? Like, 
I felt like there's some players on the Raptors that the the, the Celtics can play off the floor. Um, so long as Jalen Brown is playing at that elite level, so long as uh, Hayward is playing at an elite level and a healthy level, so long as obviously Jason Tatum is is taking the lead there and being the lead guy, and then obviously you have Campbell Walker coming in and being able to score and his versatility on the offensive end. I just feel like the Boston Celtics have so many offensive weapons that they would probably end up winning this in the end, uh, probably in seven games. But um, the Raptors just, you know, they they never die. Um, they, like I said, they have um, Siakam. They have Van Fleet, who's proven that he can be a, a solid player. Um, I think he'll probably get played, get paid in the offseason this year. Uh, and then you have Lowry. Um, but outside of that, you know, you have a, a lot of guys who are versatile, but then you have a bunch of old guys as well. So with all that being said, uh, I'm probably leaning towards the Celtics here and all their versatility, their youth, and their scoring ability, their offensive power to win this series. So listen, Jason Tatum is a star. The way he was playing before all this went down, and, and I know everyone's high on Siakam. If, if Tatum is able to play at the level he was prior, prior to, to the, the league yep. being put on pause, he is the best player on the floor this entire series. Agreed. And the the one weak spot, and this is blatantly obvious for the Celtics, is, is, their, is their bigs. And, and there's nobody on Toronto. I know they can play small ball. And Serge plays great at the five, but there's really not a deadly center like like in the matchup before where you've got Embiid or some of these other bigs that, that the Celtics could have trouble with. I don't see the Raptors giving them that much trouble. You know, Kemba's a star. Uh, Gordon Hayward's great. J- um, Jalen Brown's great. I, I personally think the, the way these two teams match up, I think the talent level is very, very even. But just looking at matchups across the board – I think Celtics take this one, and it doesn't even go to seven. See, I, I agree that the talent is even, but I think the matchups are fascinating. I mean, right. I, I Nick, I agree with your statement that Jason Tatum is going to be the best player on the floor, but the gap between Tatum and Siakam I don't think is is a large divide. I think it's it's fairly close. Then you've got Kyle Lowry and Kemba Walker. Yes, Kemba's probably the better player, but that gap is pretty close, and Kyle Lowry's a good defender. You have Jalen Brown, who's really come on this year, but a, a fun defensive matchup on him is OG Ananobi, right? So so you have, they're kind of built the same way in the sense that they have they both have a lot of wings, you know? The, the Raptors also have guys like Terrence Davis and Norman Powell who have been really good this year. They have Patrick McCaw who's been pretty good for them this year. The, the matchups both ways I just think are really fascinating. For the Celtics, they start Tice, who's a defensive center, and then Toronto starts Serge Ibaka, who's more of a defensive center. Then off the bench, they have more of their offensive-minded centers. And Mark Gasol, even though Mark Gasol is one defensive player of the year, Mark is a very adept shooter, passer, etc. Going up against Ennis Cantor, I just think the matchups on both sides, it, it feels very evenly balanced. And that's where I, I feel like what Nick said, Jason Tatum, if he can play as the best player in this series, I think I have to give the edge to Boston. I think he's the X factor there. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. Um, and again, like I said, just the versatility of the uh, the offensive players for Boston. Um, I, I, you I know, mean, Marcus Smart versus Van Vliet, you know, like we just so many fun matchups here. So ton of fun um, matchups. Yep. Yeah. So who are you guys going with and in how many games, Taylor? 
I'm going uh, Boston in seven. Nick, what do you got? I'm going to go Boston in five. Holy smokes. I'll go Boston in seven as well. I really like the Celtics, but I think it's going to be a great, great, great series. Uh, All right, let's move out west. This one's tough. Let's get this one over with. The Oklahoma City Thunder matching up with the Los Angeles Lakers. We're going to talk about this one for a while, too. <laughs> I think the uh, the X factor here is Darius Baisley guarding LeBron James, guys. Obviously. I really I mean, like the Thunder's him. chances there. We saw him bulking up here yesterday. Yeah. Right, Nick? Pumping some iron. Looking pretty no, small. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, I hate the the quarantine Twitter. Darius Baisley looks Twitter. like he's he's gained two and a half pounds of muscle in the last two months, and people are saying he's the next Giannis. <laughs> Get out of here. I have Fun done my stuff. job. I am uh, going to go ahead and log off now. <laughs> um, so what do you guys think on this Thunder versus Lakers matchup? It's um, It ain't great, Bob. It ain't great. The Thunder are really going to struggle to match up with the Lakers' two best players. See, I disagree that it's not great necessarily. Um, <laughs> it's not great because the, the areas where they don't match up great is where – the Lakers are the strongest. Uh, that just so the way the be, Thunder have their lineup right now. Game match one up with, would be Shea Gilgis Alexander guarding LeBron James, right, right, and Danilo so, Gallinari guarding Anthony Davis, right, and and like, so like the, two of the best players in the league <laughs> are are facing up against two of the Thunder's biggest weaknesses. So you have obviously LeBron at small forward. You don't really have a a option at small forward there unless all, all of a sudden. Um, we come out of hiatus here, and and know, Andre's ready to go. And on, exactly, exactly. And that's very, hey, Andre, very you haven't unlikely. played basketball in two years. Go, welcome go guard back. LeBron. Please go guard Your LeBron James. Back. Your first yeah. game back, and guard him in a a seven game series, and be sure to shut him down. Probably not going to happen. Uh, and then you're right, Anthony Davis down low. I mean, you're basically uh, relying on Steven to uh, do some shot blocking there. Probably Nerlens as well. This might so, be a matchup where you could play the two centers on the floor together. Yeah. You would have to, and even then, like you said, I think the Lakers' versatility would still be able to um, um, to exploit that matchup. But with all of that being said, the three point guard lineup that the Thunder, the the you know you have uh, Shea, you have CP3, and you have Shooter, that's going to kill the Lakers. I think they would be able to get around that. They'd be able to hit that mid range, and um, so long as they're able to to make those shots, I you know I think they're able to exploit that weakness of the Lakers as well. So I think this this series would be closer than you think. I think what it comes down to is just like you said, Jacob, kind of what you were getting to, what you were alluding to to begin with, is that the Lakers have two of the best players um, in the entire league, and they just so happen to be two of the, two of the weak spots, kind of uh, per se, for the Thunder um, and LeBron James at that small forward spot. Uh, hashtag or you know slash the point forward spot and then you have um anthony davis at the power forward slash center spot um and so with all that being said i i think the lakers take this series but um, i think the thunder will make it more competitive than you think just because of like i said those those three point guards those three ball handlers i think that lineup will really kind of disrupt the the uh, lakers and give them problems and then you combine that with uh with Gallo being an outside threat. Um, I think they, they would make this more interesting than, than many people, many of the national media would think. Nick, the, you got any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thunder have struggled against the Lakers this season. Granted two of the three matchups were before Thanksgiving, before they caught their stride, but the most recent matchup was early January and they got pummeled by 
15 plus and you know if, if you can't beat the Lakers if so three game season sweep for the Lakers so far on top of the fact that LeBron turns into a different animal in the playoffs and and gets to the finals pretty much anytime he wants to this one is going to be fun it's going to be entertaining the Thunder will take one game it'll be just like Warriors Clippers last year where um, the Clippers and Shea, you know, take an early game and they're saying, oh, wow, you know, this team isn't this, – this team that, that we thought was going to be pretty mediocre all year ends up making the playoffs and can make some noise. Yeah, it might be interesting, but Lakers are taking this one in five. All right, I've got the Lakers in four. I think the games themselves will be good matchups. Uh, you know, each I don't think there's going to be like a lot of blowouts, but I I struggle to see the Thunder getting a game off the Lakers off playoff LeBron. So uh, I'm going to surprise everybody here and be a little bit of a homer. I'm going Thunder in six because look at the way what the hell look at the way the schedule is played out right now. If the Lakers were to advance in the playoffs, they'd be playing the winner of the Thunder or Jazz, which are incredibly uh, versatile and obviously very uh, you know, steadfast teams. Um, they aren't going to be defeated easily. I think this Thunder team is going to continue to impress, continue, continue to surprise, and also <laughs> we're not talking about the same LeBron that we've been talking about in the past. Um, he's aging. And with all that being said, you know, I, I the Thunder this Thunder team does not have the star power to surpass the Lakers at all. But I think they're gonna surprise people and uh, push them a little further, especially if they were to win that matchup against the Jazz. They're gonna have all that motivation. Uh, they would come in and beat this uh these Laker teams uh, a couple times and push this, this series to six. Um and, and if they didn't beat the, the Jazz, <laughs> they, they you know, if, if they if they beat the Jazz in like a seven game series, for example. Maybe not so much, but you know, if if the Thunder come out, they beat the Jazz. They're playing the Lakers. I think they could push them to to a six game series. Wait, so do you mean Lakers and six or Thunder and six? Uh, so, oh, sorry, did I say Thunder and six? Yeah, oh, Jesus Christ, Taylor. Jesus. All right, Thunder and six. Damn it, Chris Paul's gonna go crazy. Oh, no, sorry, well, I messed you that said up. Thunder. And I was like, what the actual Lake, is this guy talking about? Lakers and six. Taylor I drank think too Thunder, much during yeah, the last dance. No kidding. Um, no, I, I think they, uh, yeah, Lakers and six. Lakers, I think okay, Thunder, okay. Thunder we, would we push can, into six games. Woo, all, right. <laughs> all right, last matchup, we've got the LA Clippers versus the Denver Nuggets. This one is fascinating um, on, a, on a handful of levels. What are you guys thinking here? Denver, I think, obviously has a very big advantage at the center spot. Like, I, uh, I don't think the, that's very arguable. No, that's 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 a great point. And, and the Nuggets run pretty deep, and, and I don't think they'll be able to run as deep as they want to. I think as great as Michael Porter Jr. has been and as great as even, like, Jeremy Grant has been and some of those bench guys that have been very, very good for them this year, they're going to be limited in minutes. Um, I don't. I don't know if Michael Porter Jr. plays much at all in this kind of series. I. It's going to be really, really scary considering the Clippers. Their their two superstars and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are guys right. that have been injured recently. That's been the only question all year. Is like, what will they look like coming into the playoffs when it comes to their health? And this is a team that the coronavirus pandemic has been great to. Those guys are healthy. They're rested. If we come back and go straight into the playoffs, I think the Clippers benefit more than anybody in this entire league. And I don't think 
I, th- I think this might be a six or seven game series had had this not all happened, but I don't think this is going to be even a close series now that they've gotten all that rest and they'll be at full strength. Plus, I, even... the, the, the bench of, of Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, Lou Will, Montrez Harrell, any yeah, of those guys that, that, can that, give you 15-20. Ben- that bench would be the sixth seed out east. See, exactly. You know? I'm not even taking coronavirus into uh, effect here. I think even then, uh, prior to the season being put on on pause, um, the Nuggets really disappointed to me this season. Like I, I think I, if we go back and listen to our preseason preseason predictions, I probably had the Nuggets like at, at one or two, um, and they they haven't done that because like I we mentioned this earlier, uh, Jamal Murray is just he's not reliable. Um, Harris has been a no show this season, and so with all that being said, I think the Clippers pretty much take advantage of this with PG and like you said, Nick uh, PG and uh, Kawhi being healthy. I'm going and combined with their depth. I'm going Clippers uh, pretty easily here, unfortunately. Yeah, so Denver does have wing depth. They have, like, quality wings. It's just the Clippers have way better wings. And they have these, They have the star talent. Yeah, yep. exactly. So, uh, guys, I'm going Clippers in – I'll give Denver two games. I'll go Clippers in six in this one. I'll go Clippers in five. Yep, Clippers in five. Fair, fair. So it looks like next week we will be talking about the conference finals, which will be the Bucks versus the Celtics and the Lakers and the Clippers. That's a ton of fun. So it I should be wait. fun. Uh, well, before we talk about Steven Adams trades, which probably gets you uh, pretty down, Nick's going to tell you how to get up. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds, get to bluechew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you'll know that they do work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't even need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. BlueChew's online physician is free of cost, and once you're approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit bluechew.com and get your first order for free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com and make sure you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, guys, let's get to the end of the podcast here. The sad part for me, <laughs> we've decided that over the course of these Sunday night, early Monday podcasts, that we will go through and examine what a trade could look like for each of the Thunder players. Last week, we did Chris Paul, I guess each of the tradable Thunder players. Last week, we did Chris Paul based off Ian Begley's reports that the Knicks are interested. This week, we're going to do another starter. This time, Steven Adams. So pre-pod, we all came up with a Steven Adams trade. We're going to discuss them and then pick, uh, I guess, are they realistic trades and which is the best one? Uh, who wants to go first? Nick, you go first because I accidentally uh, exit out of my window. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I will kick us off then. I'll, I'll start by saying trading Steve is is extremely hard just for the fact that 
He's a traditional center, which isn't extremely valuable in this day and age. He's on a massive contract that's probably more than he's worth. And he's going into the final year of his deal next season. So if you're a team that's looking for a, a quality center, you more than likely are only going to get him for a year before you, you risk losing him in free agency. So that kind of limits the teams that are, are probably going to be interested. But I came up with one that I think makes a little bit of sense. Um, and again, there's not many out there that do make sense. And I don't, if I'm the Thunder, I don't know if I do this trade. But the Dallas Mavericks are a team that... When they when they play their best ball historically under Rick Carlisle, they have you know that traditional center. They they had a lot of success with Tyson Chandler on their 2011 run to the finals. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna send Stephen Adams to the Dallas Mavericks along with Deontay Burton for uh, a versatile score and Tim Hardaway Jr. The Thunder are gonna get back a serviceable center to kind of fill that void in Willie Cauley Stein. And then the Mavericks are in a tricky situation where they can't really trade uh, a first-round pick for the next few years just because of the rule where you can't trade a consecutive um, first-round pick. So they're going to give up a, a pretty heavily protected 2025 first-round pick, and we'll call that top 10 protected. Ooh. Yeah, and in 2025, Luka's going to be 26 years old. So uh, unless something really, really bad happens in Dallas, that pick's going to be pretty low. True. I so like that, that that's an, that's an interesting though. one, Nick. Yeah, um, I it's it's fascinating. How many years does Tim Hardaway Jr. have left on his contract? I think it's you know? just one. Right? Yeah, he's he's in the same boat as Steve. So it's okay, like so it's kind of the same the same deal where you, you, the Thunder are gonna to risk losing Steve in free agency the same summer that that Tim Hardaway is gonna be going into free agency. So that'll be a twenty mil off your books regardless. So it's more of a a salary filler. He's obviously Tim Hardaway is not gonna be part of the long-term plan more than likely, but he does give you a nice, you know, him and Dennis Schroeder off the bench would be a great one-two punch next year. So let's, yeah, let's assume that Gallo is able to be traded or uh sign and trade, or he obviously leaves after this um, season, whenever that ends. Um, then you have Chris Paul still on this team. You bring either THJ off the bench or you start him. Um, that's just, it's another trade asset that I, I found I find fascinating. I think yeah, that's, you could probably really flip fun. THJ to somebody at the who, trade deadline who wants to make a playoff push at the trade deadline. He's an expiring. That's huge, yeah. and he's also a, a like you said, Jacob and, and Nick, like you alluded to, like he's obviously a very uh, versatile veteran who can contribute still. So that's I like that a lot. That's interesting. Yeah, and one thing that I just kind of thought of whenever you mentioned that Taylor flipping him at the deadline, this some well, and this is all like you have to put an asterisk next to all this because we don't know what salary cap is going to look like. We don't know how the rules are going to change because of the economic downfall of coronavirus. But a, there's a lot of guys that are free agents in the summer of 2021 that a team might be interested in taking on an expiring contract just to open up cap space so they can make a run out of free agent. You know, so maybe trading a Tim Hardaway Jr. or Steven Adams at the deadline next year actually is beneficial for some teams, you know, because yep. they can get off more money. All right, my Steven Adams trade is uh, I, I don't know if the other team would do this trade strictly because of the perception of, of them trading away uh, players and kind of uh, this idea that they're ruthless in it and they don't really care about the player. I don't know if they've shed that persona yet or not, and I don't think it's something they want to carry with them. 
But one team that could use a center that's in a division where you need a good center in order to advance is the Boston Celtics. So I have both Steven Adams and Dennis Schroeder going to Boston. In return, the Thunder would get back Gordon Hayward, who is also expiring and on a massive deal. That's the one that maybe Boston doesn't trade him because of the whole Isaiah Thomas thing. And Gordon Hayward's like the biggest free agent they've ever got in their in their franchise. Whatever. Gordon Hayward, uh, Thunder also get back Romeo Langford. And they get back a the first round pick that Boston owns in 2020, which is going to end up being a pick somewhere between 25 and 30. It's not super valuable. And then Boston can start Steven Adams at center next year, along with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Kemble Walker. And then you have Dennis Schroeder coming off your bench. Backup point guard has been a point of contention for Boston this year. Uh, maybe I'm just biased. I f- kind of feel like that's a win-win for both sides. So, Jacob, you're uh, you're right kind of in line as where I'm thinking. Um, but if you, it, Nick, if you have any thoughts on that, you go ahead and go first because mine's kind of similar, but uh, not. Yeah, I still have some uh, variations there. So you go ahead and go first if you have any thoughts. Well, let's 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 hear yours, and I think we can discuss all okay. three pros and cons at the end. Gotcha. So, um, looking back on this, and this was even before Jacob's trade. I probably probably would add a, an additional draft pick um, from the Celtics side. But with that being said, I have the Thunder sending out Steven Adams and their two second-round picks for 2020. So you have uh, this coming – kind of a lot of uncertain, uncertainty surrounding this draft, uh, two second-round draft picks with Steven Adams. In return, you're getting Gordon Hayward, who will also be an expiring after this coming year. And uh, – my thought was that you're spending those two second-round picks on this player in Carson Edwards, uh, a versatile guard who can score. Um, he's not going to be able to distribute, and and he's kind of an iffy defender so far in his, his tenure in the league, but um, he'd be a fun guard to bring off the bench, especially when you pair him with Shea Gildas-Alexander. And so my thought process is you spend two second-round picks this season in an iffy draft when you have all of these future uh, first round and second round picks um, coming up, you spend those those two second rounders on Carson to bring him in and kind of see what he can do alongside Shea, and I think that could be really beneficial. Now, I think from a, a, a Presti standpoint, you're probably going to want to try and get a like an additional second rounder in the future, like far future from the Celtics in this, but I still think those two second rounders in 2020, this coming draft, is worth it spending those on somebody proven a little more proven like Carson Edwards who we've seen what he can do what he can contribute and trying to develop him into the player that I think he can be uh, a versatile shooting uh, scoring guard who can play alongside Shea I think that's worth it so uh, my again just to reiterate my trade is Stephen Adams two second rounders for 2020 in exchange for Gordon Hayward and Carson Edwards All right, I um, I don't know. All three are fascinating. Again, maybe bias speaking here. I think maybe Taylor's is a little more realistic, but I really don't like it for the Thunder at all. I feel like you're you're punting on two draft picks and Stephen Adams to get a guy in Gordon Hayward who's basically just serving a salary filler, and then Carson Edwards. Yeah, he's fascinating, but I think at best. At best, his NBA career 
um, is a 20 minute a night bench guy. Right. Uh, kind of like a poor man's Dennis Schroeder in a way. Or a poor man's um, like uh, Jamal Crawford. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that one's, uh, I don't know. Um, I I like the idea of trying to get Romeo Langford from them. And, you know, True. maybe maybe they're a little bit lower on, on Langford. And he matches the same position that Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart play. And so maybe they're already kind of loaded at that spot. And so they'd be willing to trade some depth from there in order to get a big like Steven Adams and then bring in a, uh, a backup point guard. And you, you could really, you could start Kemba, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Steven Adams. Like that's a really, really really good good starting five. And then you have Dennis Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder and Ennis Cantor off your bench running a pick and roll. That's kind of fun. Uh, you get the stash bros back together. So I don't know, Nick, um, what are your thoughts on the two Celtics deals? Um, I kind of hate both. I <laughs> Carson Edwards, he's fine. I don't think you give up two second rounders for a guy like that. I'd rather use those second rounders to tack onto the Denver pick and try to move up in the draft than get him. And then when you look at... Romeo Langford, I mean, how different is he than Terrence Ferguson and Hamadou Diallo, who already play the same position for the Thunder? Um, you know, I, I think I would rather, I mean, maybe for all three of these deals, I don't think mine's the greatest for the Thunder either, but I think I would rather hold on to Steven Adams and try to flip him at the deadline than trade him away for a Gordon Hayward or a Tim Hardaway Jr. just to flip them the same way you could for Steven at the same time. Yeah, that's true. And one thing I keep coming back to is uh, Gordon Hayward coming back to the Thunder. Like, when you do that, even if you bring along a uh, a piece for the future, you're still kind of torn in between, like... And again, I'm assuming that you're not able to trade Chris Paul come the offseason. But you have CP3, you have Shea, you have Schroeder, you have Gallo. Well, you probably don't have Gallo anymore, but then you have uh, Gordon Hayward stepping to that Gallo role. Like, you're still kind of in the same situation that you are this season. And so um, maybe you get another young piece like a Romeo Langford or a Carson Edwards, but you haven't really changed much from where you are this season. And so you're still competing. You're still kind of stuck in the middle. And so that's kind of what I, I don't like about the Celtics trades. But when, you know, we were trying to come up with a trade for this, like the most obvious candidate is a team, a an elite team looking for a fairly elite center, even if he's not quite as versatile as some of the, the other centers out there right now. And so, uh, you know, Boston's the first one that came to my mind. Here's a crazy one just that I just concocted up in my head. I'm I'm on the trade machine right now. It works. Would you guys entertain the thought of Steven Adams for Andrew Wiggins and the Warriors 2021 first round pick? Yes, but why the hell would the Warriors do that? <laughs> that's it. that's where I'm at. I'm saying yes just because of the 2020 first round pick and then you just take a gamble on Wiggins and see what happens. Like they that would be essentially be the same as them giving up, you know, D'Lo in a first rounder, essentially, or, or basically it's D'Lo for Steven Adams for for one year of Steve. Like I get it, they're they're trying to win as many as they can before Steph and Clay start to age. But Steven's that would be that'd be a that'd be a very lopsided. I mean, the Thunder would have their small forward of the future, and and life would be good. I would almost trade Steven Adams in a 2020 first round pick from the Thunder for Andrew Wiggins. 
Oh wow! Interesting. What if what if I swap out Andrew Wiggins with Draymond Green? Oh, get out of you, town. Adams for Green and that 2021 first. Warriors will do that. They won't do that. They're they're they married to it. the Draymond Clay Steph core for the time yeah. being until that. Explodes. I I think that's an upgrade for the Warriors. I mean, and the Warriors already have Minnesota's 2021 first, which is going to be better than their own 2021 first. So right now they have two picks in the first round in 2021. You give up the lesser of those two picks. You get off of Draymond's like next three years of his deal. And in turn, I mean, can you imagine Clay running off screen set by Steven Adams? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you know? I, lo- I love Steve as a person, one of my favorite people to talk to, you know, in the locker rooms and stuff. But I still don't think that his value around the league is near as high as us as hometowners think it is. No, and, I agree. And I agree. And also the Warriors just need Draymond so much. I mean, that's key for them and their offense, their system. Uh, I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't see that happening. Uh, but I Maybe this is just bias in me. I think Steven Adams could, could play that Draymond role, but just be better. Uh, at least offensively, at least offensively, defensively, he, he's not as versatile, but I think offensively, I mean, he, he's not going to be the focal point, kind of like Draymond is on passing and stuff, but I think Steve is a great passer. He's a great he screener. He, I think he does everything that Draymond does offensively, just maybe a little bit better. And he doesn't shoot the three, but, I mean, Draymond shoots it at a 28% clip anyway, so. True. <laughs> you probably don't want True. Draymond shooting the threes. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think the, the Warriors love the idea of coming back with that same core of, of the guys with Draymond, Clay, and Steph and, then, yeah. and trying to win another use, one. They'll use that early draft pick this upcoming draft and uh, try and trade for something that can complement those pieces. That's kind of where I'm at, Nick. Fascinating. So from all the, the deals that we kind of came up with, which one would you guys, if those deals are all on the table and you kind of have to trade Steven, which one are you going with? Remind uh, me of the Celtics, the Celtics one for Carson Edwards, uh, Adams and Schroeder to Boston, for who do I have? Gordon Hayward, Romeo Langford, and Boston's first round pick, which is going to be like twenty five through thirty. And then Nick had Adams and who else? Deontay. Deontay to Dallas for Willie Cauley Stein, Tim Hardaway Jr. Two three named people, and uh, and a twenty twenty five protected first round pick. My favorite is George Jacob. I think that's the most beneficial for oh, the Thunder. Thank you. <laughs> I think I, if if you somehow find a way to make that deal work without giving up Schroeder, I think it's a it's a solid deal. I just Steve and Schroeder are two guys that are going to have tremendous trade value this off season and before the trade line next season. I I wouldn't give that up for Romeo Langford. Well, you want to give it up for Langford and the pick. To no. me, to me, that deal is basically Adams is getting you Langford and Schroeder is getting you the pick. Right. I was going to say that and I'm just looking at it from a Thunder standpoint. Um, so I kind of agree with you, Nick, from the uh, Boston standpoint. But for the the most beneficial pick for the Thunder, I'm going. Uh, I'm going Jacobs selection. Interesting. I uh, I don't know. I like mine and I like Nick's. Yep. I just worry. I mean, that 2025 pick, there's so much stuff that can happen between now and 2025. But if Dallas just doesn't crap the bed and keeps Luka Doncic on the team, they should be really, really good. Then that pick's going to be low. But, I mean, you would also think that the Clippers pick is going to be really low. But you just never know what's going to happen, you know? True. So, all right, guys. Well, with that, we're going to get out of here. We're already at an hour and ten minutes. 
Thank you all so much for checking out the podcast. If this is your first time listening, we greatly, greatly appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you go and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts at. We drop podcasts every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings. Wednesday, we will be doing the 2014 NBA redraft, so make sure you tune in for that. And then Friday, Taylor and I are concluding the top five players in Thunder history by position. We'll be doing the Ooh, point guards be a fun one. on Thursday night, and it'll be ready for you guys on Friday morning. Uh, make sure you go back and you listen to those episodes because they've been great. Go and check out betonline.ag. With things opening back up, we may get basketball and baseball within the next couple of months. Maybe you can take that $1,200 stimulus check and bet on it on some sports and uh, and double your money. So, uh, Also, check out bluechew.com if you are interested in... Uh, and those services. We will be back with you guys again on Wednesday. Have a great beginning of your week. Stay healthy. Stay safe. We will talk to you then. Thunder up. Aaron's makes getting the furniture, electronics, and appliances you need easy and affordable. Great deals. Easy approvals. Free delivery. That's Aaron's, the rent-to-own power of the AA team. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.